Task Us On Air presents CX Plus You. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Task Us On Air. I'm Brett Ransom. I'm Vice President of Business Development at Task Us. I'm Joe Anderson, Director for Consulting and Digital Transformation here at Task Us. Today, our topic is generative AI and specifically scaling next generation customer experience. And what we're seeing in our industry is a lot of questions and a lot of discussion around what that means for the customer experience, customer support industry. Yeah, Brad, we really saw this inflection point last December with the public launch of ChatGPT from OpenAI. And though LLMs had been in development for quite some time prior to that, that's what really kicks off the um, fervor in the industry around generative AI. A lot of companies, their customer care departments and their outsourcing partners have been experimenting recently with how to apply generative AI to different use cases in the CX space. You know, we're seeing that um, take place in anywhere from kind of their back office functions to the, the agent or teammate experience, helping them to perform their job um, more quickly, more efficiently, and then we're starting to see some places experiment with using generative AI to move toward kind of full self-service models. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we continue to see a little reticence in the market um, to move outside of those human-in-the-loop processes simply because of the inventiveness that generative AI can have at times. Yeah, it's interesting. And there's, there's um, it's almost hard to keep up with, right? There's so much change and so much more information coming out as the technology is rapidly changing and evolving for the better. It reminds me of, uh, not to age myself, but I don't know, 20 years ago, you know, everything was voice, right? Email was even, believe it or not, still fairly new. And then you started to have chat, which was seen as a threat to uh, humans, you know, and and people doing basic customer support, tech support, back office, uh, you name it. Um, and, we didn't really see that go away, right? We didn't see the voice component go away. Chat ultimately did Im- increase um, and self-services obviously increase, but you still have a need for people at the end of the day. And just sort of curious, you know, as it relates to AI, right? There's there's some of this talk about, oh, it could almost eliminate humans or replace human for support. And, you know, curious on your take um, because, that there may be some portions of that, but you know, curious kind of what your view is overall. Yeah, Brett, I think you're absolutely right. We won't see that need for humans go away anytime soon. You know, there will continue to be case types and interaction types that are sufficiently complex to require that human touch and human intervention. Um, you know, there there might be the opportunity to re- automate the more routine or simpler type of interactions and support required for certain segments of customers. But, you know, just as there are still people today who like to interact with a teammate or agent on the phone, mm-hmm. you will continue to see certain segments of customers that want that human touch. Right. You know, kind of building on that, we expect to see generative AI and technology continue to support agents and teammates to serve those customers. And, you know, those customers who want that human touch, that that won't go away. But right. At the end of the day, um, it's really about supporting those teammates where they are in their processes to serve customers. Maybe that AI is acting behind the scene. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could just give you take take through an example of 
some instances where we're working on improving, you know, the the support interaction from the time, you know, I'm talking mainly voice, right? If someone calls up and it's a 20 minute call, how does how is AI being leveraged to make that more efficient, more get inf- information more accurately? How does it all tie together? Yeah, Brett, a lot of times what's driving the length of those calls is just the troubleshooting and resolution and finding the right information to serve that particular customer. So mm-hmm. with generative AI, it can you know work in a number of ways. We're seeing use cases from kind of listening to those interactions live to serving up the next best action for that agent to perform and in an intelligent way. Um, we're also seeing use cases where agents have answers at their fingertips. They may be on the phone with a customer, but might be typing in the background, asking questions to a an intelligent uh, assistant who can provide them kind of the right um, next steps to take with a customer to resolve an inquiry. And, and I'd imagine, right, a, a large component, if self-service is a portion of it, people can self-serve to a certain point, maybe halfway, they get to half of the troubleshooting steps and they've got two or three things that maybe they're stuck with, you know, that would shrink the handle time or, or make that interaction with a voice uh, human on the end of the line quicker. Is that fair? Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, as you leave customers to um, use those self-service tools, you want to always want to make sure you have a, a fail-safe or backup in place. And you want the technology to be able to identify its own limitations. So you don't want your customers to, uh, you know, attempt to use self-service tools and then get stuck or frustrated. You have to have the ability to identify where is that technology kind of not meeting the need in a particular interaction and have a human be able to step in almost instantly to support that customer. And, and you know, in our world, right, we're hiring, you know, we've got close to 50,000 employees across the, the globe that are doing some sort of support for mainly disruptive technology companies uh, who tend to need the support, right? Because they've got new products, new uh, new processes, new workflows. That's where we come in to help. And we have to hire people, recruit, or we have to recruit, hire, train, uh, and then retain them, right? Make them efficient at their jobs. How does AI fit into those different stages of from the day that we recruit and hire and train? Are we seeing any interesting uh, improvements in where AI will come in to those different stages of a, an yeah. employee cycle. Well, I'm glad we're looking at it through the employee life cycle too. And it really starts on the recruiting side. You know, we're able to use uh, artificial intelligence as part of that recruiting process and hiring process. You know, we've traditionally kind of used the standard language tests, the, the different classifications from A1 to C2 and, and beyond that. But how do we really understand if an agent can apply the soft skills with the correct language and grammar and um, has those customer support skills that they can demonstrate during the hiring process that lets us know they're going to be successful in the role. And you know, we're starting to use um, AI to evaluate candidates, evaluate their writing samples, and also put them through kind of an interactive process as part as uh, as part of hiring to do some kind of real world simulations of how they would fare in certain circumstances. And that even extends to our training too. You know, while those hiring um, screens might be um, a little more generic, when it comes to onboarding and training, we can actually give our teammates a secure environment 
that overcome some of the traditional challenges with training simulators. Mm -hmm. uh, training simulators, a lot of our clients have concerns about data privacy and security, and then the need to build and maintain a training sandbox on an ongoing basis. Using AI, we can provide a chat training simulator that is tuned based on our clients' particular policies and processes, as well as soft skills. So an agent during the training process can get hands-on experience taking chats and as they input their responses, get real-time feedback on their application of soft skills, a particular client's policies, and suggestions on how their answers could even improve. I wanted to ask if, if we've got clients that are saying, I'm sure, and we, we're seeing it, right? But but many of our big clients, right? It's it's board-level discussions about what are you doing with AI and, and, and transform uh, the business. But, but a lot of uh, some of our clients might be more startups and they're they're still trying to build their roadmap. But how do they engage with, you know, what is the right time? When is Gen AI or when is when are LLM models? When does it make sense for a business? Um, and, and are there steps that they have to take before they could be ready to have that discussion about um, incorporating LLMs or Gen AI into their customer support workflows? Oh, that's a great question. A lot of our clients are continuing to ask themselves and their leadership are asking, you know, what are the right reuse cases? How do we want to deploy this technology? And I think that the simple answer is there's probably no wrong time to do it, but mm -hmm. it's important to start small and continue to iterate and, and build on the complexity of how it's deployed in your environment. You know, mm -hmm. Brett, you, you asked about, hey, what do clients need in place in order to be successful or order to get started? And it really comes down to kind of that content base itself whatever you know generative ai is kind of taking as the inputs so to speak um has got to be in a, a semi-solid place you know you want to make sure that your business policies and processes are defined that you've got some training content that you've got some knowledge content that you have a a subset of past interactions that are you know kind of your gold star performances so that you can use those as the examples um for whatever AI solution you have to reference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we see a lot of our clients that are startups that, you know, they're, the documentation um, is continuing to evolve, but that's not to say we can't get started there. Um, right. It's pretty easy to spin something up and you can almost look at it at the flip side too. You can use an LLM to help you build that documentation. As far as risks or dangers, right? Are there anything, you know, uh, to be aware of as a company goes down this AI journey related to CX? Yeah, you know, I think a, a common concern around, out there is around data privacy. You know, mm -hmm. if I input information into these um, LLMs, do I continue to retain the data? Do I have ownership of it? What happens to the inputs and outputs, the different prompts that are used? We're seeing a lot of questions around that right now. You know, I think it... It's like anything um, where companies are working with software and tool providers. Um, you know, do your homework. Make sure that the companies you're working with have the right um, data privacy controls in place. That the way data is stored is something you're going to be comfortable with. Put the right legal agreements in place. You know, one one avenue that some companies are going down is. They're not working with third-party generative AI providers. You know, they're starting to build their own models or 
maybe not build their own models, but adopt their own models. Maybe it is taking some of these open source LLMs and hosting them on their own, their own servers in a secure private cloud. That allows these um, organizations to, um, you know, number one, make sure they've got complete control of their data. But number two, it allows them to um, kind of fine tune their own model so it's unique to their business and the use cases where they're deploying. Yeah, I'm curious your perspective on whether you're seeing, you know, the early traction that we have is that AI lend itself to certain industries more than others, right? Whether it's travel and transportation, you know, big tech, software, hardware, consumer electronics, right? Where where are we seeing the biggest traction so far? Or is it or is it across the board? Yeah, Brett, you know, it's those technology companies that are innovators themselves in the space and are going to be the early adopters of the new AI um, kind of enabled uh, capabilities that are coming out. On the, the flip side, we're seeing some of the more legacy industries, you know, financial services, banking, healthcare, that are a little more reticent, but that doesn't mean there aren't still players in the space that are using it for some interesting things. I think those companies in those spaces are trying to stay away from use cases where it could potentially have um, data that's um, you know, kind of financially sensitive or related to, you know, patient health information. Those things are where uh, I think companies are not quite jumping in feet first, but for some obvious concerns. Right. Is, is there anything that we can do to address that? Or is it, you know, going to take time for some of these models to be able to lock down the security aspects of it to make sure you know, there's no risks from a fraud or or, or any sort of uh, risk standpoint. Yeah, I think it'll um, continue to evolve in those spaces. Um, mm-hmm. Some of those industries move a little slower than others when it comes to adoption. But that's like we talked about with companies who are starting to experiment with uh, their own models, taking some of these open source ones out there or even building their own and tuning them to be specific for a particular industry a particular domain of knowledge, and then apply it to those use cases. And that's where we're going to see those privacy concerns starting to be alleviated because there's no longer a third party involved. So we can, we can help in a number of areas, right? One, we'll task us and our, our work processes will continue to evolve pretty quickly, we're going to see, right? Like I said our, earlier, our entire ecosystem or the, the entire employee lifecycle um, and job processes are just going to become much more efficient. Um, will be more accurate. Um, the jobs will the jobs we do today will become much more easier, so that our folks can do higher levels of care, tech support, what have you. Um, so there's there's certainly a career path still, um, you know, for all of our, our our people and and really the industry in general. And then you know the other benefit is that uh, we're going to see our clients right continually, you know, some of it we're not going to touch right. They're going to solve these their own AI roadmap, right? We're not going to go to Apple and tell them we can help solve their AI uh, roadmap, right? But for, you know, for a lot of startup companies, you know, fair to say that's where we can help, right? Help inform them on, you know, a potential path or a roadmap to begin to leverage AI and its full capabilities. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned around startups too. I think one area that is still very nascent, but is the potential new business models that are built on this technology. Just as when the iPhone and App Store launched, we saw a number of new business models that were born out of that, you know, these 
um, kind of on-demand food delivery or transportation platforms that previously weren't really possible without right. that new ecosystem, we're likely to see similar advancements um, in business models out of the generative AI space and the, and the technology. Anybody who looks at you now and says, hey, I know exactly what these are going to be. I can see into my crystal ball. Well, um, they may not have all the answers. We don't quite know how it's going to unfold. But for these companies that start to launch um, kind of new business models based on this, they should look for an outsourcing provider who's got experience in the space. Right. It's important to work with a partner who understands the technology, the risks associated with it, and has the experience and has built the frameworks and policies and processes to address those risks in similar spaces. If uh, you know some of our clients or people who are listening to this have questions about how we kind of address those trust and safety concerns or address those fraud and risk spaces with our existing clients, I think we can talk, have a, a deeper conversation around that and how that also applies to um, companies who are starting to tackle some of those same concerns in the uh, AI space. Yeah, that's one that's one exciting aspect of our business and that we work with so many rapidly growing, you know, from the fortune fortune 100s to, uh, you know, early stage tech disruptors. And we learn so much, they stretch us, right? And we learn from that. And then that's a benefit for potentially new clients and, and all of our clients that knowledge base that we built learning from our, our clients that challenge us each and every day. But Joe, as we, as we look at wrapping up here, you know, a few key takeaways, there's no doubt AI is changing the customer experience landscape. It's going to better benefit everyone. Um, number two, you're still going to need humans um, and people to be part of that process um, in the long term. And number three, it's a rapidly evolving business. So clients that are looking for ideas and looking for counsel or guidance to go down that AI journey, you can tap into task us to help them. So with that, I want to, I want to thank our listeners for, for tuning in today, check out our website at taskus.com. You can follow us on all social media channels from LinkedIn to Twitter, to Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and until then, this is Brett Ransom and my pal, Joe Anderson. Uh, have a ridiculously good day. Thanks all.